welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump, and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for joining me, my friends. I really am excited and can't wait to get into this discussion. We've got a brand new book to talk about, and you know, I'm a book nut. (laughs) My family can attest to that. I have piles and piles and books and boxes and shelves that are bowing under the weight of all those things, and I love new resources, but I'm really excited about this resource uh, because I think this is really going to help a lot of people that are interested in ministering to all of God's kids. But before we dive into that, I want to say thanks to this week's episode sponsor, uh, the Sunday School Store. A lot of us struggle with finding uh, lessons to go in between series, and sometimes we end up crowdsourcing ideas and then uh, end up regretting them. And uh, so if you've been that way, I want to encourage you to head over to the Sunday School Store. Check out their standalone lesson series. Uh, You can always download a, a free series. Uh, and a free lesson in a series. And if you love it, you can buy the rest of it. There's a lot of great stuff. They even have a money back guarantee on their their stuff. So go take a look. You can go over to the sundayschool.store or just simply sundayschool.store. Let me say it correct. And you can find out all of their amazing resources. And again, we just want to say thank you for their financial support of the KMC podcast. We really appreciate them tremendously. So go support them. Let them know you heard about them on the KMC. I would appreciate it very much too. Well, I want to introduce you to a new friend. Actually, she's been a friend for a while. Uh, We met each other a long time ago and she even reminded me that I was kind of rude, Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll joke. We'll talk about that. (laughs) I was rude, but I apologize. Um, But I was speaking truth in love and I'm glad because this is the byproduct of, of this resource we're going to talk about. I want to introduce the KMC to Carrie Ann Hayes, and she's just released a brand new book called Accessible Church, and the tagline is Making a Church a Welcoming Place for Children with Special Needs and from Traumatic Backgrounds. And that's what attracted me was not only was she talking special needs, but she's talking about trauma. And we know, especially coming post-pandemic, there is a lot of that. In our world today, there's a lot of kids dealing with a lot of different things, and the church needs to be equipped and prepared and open-armed to to these kind of kids and families, especially. So, Carrie Ann, welcome to the KMC Podcast. We're super glad to have you on. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. I'm really excited to be here and to talk to you about this today. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do, and and then we'll dive into our discussion. Yeah. So I live in beautiful Winter Garden, Florida with my husband, Tom, which Winter Garden is about 20 minutes from Disney World. Everyone wants to know where that is, because if you're not in Orlando, (laughs) no one knows. So we're not far from Disney. And I, we also, we raised three children here. And I currently work for a church, uh, One Hope, which is in Orlando, and I'm also a consultant for Ministry Architects. Hmm. That's a great organization. So, all right. Well, we always start our KMC podcast off with a why question. 
So I'm curious, what led you to write the book? And yes, you can tell my story if you want to. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't, I was not going to throw you under the bus. That's but okay. It, it actually was a conversation that spurred me on to move forward with the book. So I had actually reached out to you, Tom, at a, at a kind of crossroads in my life as I was trying to think, was I leaving uh, this really large church that I had been a part of for 15 years? And, you know, all these things were changing. And I shared with you that I had written this book. And when I told you about it, but I told you my fears of publishing, <laughs> We had just met and you said, don't be a jerk, publish the book. Everybody's gasping out there. How, how, you know, and everybody knows me. I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I don't <laughs> Now, it, Truth in advertising. I was told that same thing um, about my message with restoring leaders as I had. So I'm always just passing on the wisdom. And for some reason, the spirit let that loose out of my mouth. Um, probably should have been a little more filtered than it was. <laughs> well, I, I actually believe that the Holy Spirit was using you because people had, you know, I had been praying about it. I wasn't moving forward, but I think that that was kind of the push that I needed. Like, oh, I'm holding back by not doing this. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, and so I'm, thank you. <laughs> you're you're very welcome. I get like I said. I told her as soon as we got online. I'm like I'm sorry for that. <laughs> um, but you know I am I am glad because like I said I I really believe every every children's leader needs to get this mm. book seriously, guys. Um, you need to and I'll I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to the Amazon or Amazon where you can pick it up and she can tell you if she got other ways to grab the book, but. Uh, I've had a chance to look through this and read as much as I could before this interview. And I'm telling you, this is a great resource. I've, I learned some things that I had no idea about helping kids, especially, like I said, with trauma backgrounds. Um, that to me was very powerful, but she's got some really good wisdom here. So um, I'm glad she wasn't a jerk and kept it hiding <laughs> and that she shared all this wisdom with it's a terrible saying but it's true some of us hold on to stuff and we let fear keep us back and uh, i would have never written my book i think if somebody hadn't told me about the, almost that same thing so well they did say the same thing tom don't be a jerk and keep your message to yourself you got to get it out there so it is it's out there um so anyway all right let's enough about that rudeness of let's talk about your book because you started off um at your first chapter you asked a very powerful question i i think it's powerful anyway it hit me when i read it um so much that i i wanted to talk about it is is the idea of what are some of the obstacles today for families uh with that have special needs or trauma when it comes to being part of the church um, cause you talk about this idea of, you know, there's, there's obstacles there that people feel. And I, I'd love to know what some of those obstacles are because most churches think, Hey, we're here, we're open, come to us. Um, and yet you talk about how that there's families out there that feel like there's, there's some real roadblocks in the way. So what are some of those kind of things? Yeah, Tom, I'll, I'll tell you, I think, and I, I really want to, uh, 
say this the right way. I believe that churches desire to welcome every child, but don't feel equipped to do so yeah. because they just don't know what to expect when they are welcoming these families. In. Yep. And I yep. apologize. You're going to hear my border collie who is probably saving me from the Amazon man right now. Uh, sorry about that. Oh, um, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but, so I, you know, and, and you had said special needs and, and trauma and the obstacles that they face. I want to also share that I use the term special needs because the families that I was serving actually chose that term. And whether you use in your church differently abled or uh, differently challenged or exceptional children, yep. which are all all wonderful terms to use in the church. Uh, I use special needs because we're using that term to say we want to meet the needs of every child. I love that. Wherever they fall. So the obstacles are either real or perceived. But a lot of families have experienced what they feel is rejection, mm. not just from the church, but often even from family. You mm. know, if you are raising a child with autism and your broader family does not understand the behavioral challenges that come along with that, it can be a struggle even in the family dynamic. Now we bring that into the church. There are families who feel that they have been rejected from the church, not because the church actually rejected them, but because the children's ministry was not equipped for the behaviors of those children. Also, if there's not a clear avenue for a family who comes into the church to know what's available for their child who needs additional help. So we can remove some of those obstacles by making a clear path for a family, by giving them uh, information, even on our website of what we can do to assist them. And you don't have to have a special needs ministry to do this. Yeah. In, in fact, the church that I worked with until this day still doesn't have a special needs ministry. They have a way to care for children who come in on a Sunday mm. or students who come in on a Wednesday. Yeah. And that is, that is huge. And people have heard me when we've talked about these kind of topics before on the KMC. Um, I've shared my own story of how, uh, as a younger children's pastor, how many times I just, the, I mean, my stomach would just go into knots because I would recognize a family coming in and I would see a child walk in the door and go, oh no, I, I'm not sure how to do this. I'm not sure if I'm prepared to do this. How am I going to love them and care for them? I want to, and I don't want to, I don't want to discourage it because I had families and you even shared a story in the book that just brought tears to my eyes of, of, a, of a child grabbing a hold of you saying, are you going to, you know, basically turn me away too. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was frightening. Um, and that was mm -hmm. like, oh, because I, I remember feeling that way of, am I capable of, and, and I just know that there's some leaders out there that they have this fear of doing something wrong. Mm. And so then they don't want to do anything. And I, I fear keeps us from doing the right things. And, and, uh, 
we've got to overcome some of this stuff and we've got to break down those fears because imagine though, I, I can just imagine those families are just as afraid to come yeah. through the doors, especially if they've been rejected multiple times, especially if they hit the wall with the public school um, and mm-hmm. dealing with them uh, and other organizations. And so I loved your statement. Every church doesn't need to do everything, but every church can do something. And I totally hundred percent agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'd had the written copy, that would have, my normal habit would be highlighting and writing notes. I would have been boom, 100%. Um, so what are some things that a church can do, even a smaller church? Cause like mm-hmm. you said, not everybody has a formal ministry mm-hmm. and what you've demonstrated in your book very clearly is you don't have to, but you right. can do something. So mm-hmm. what are some things that a small church or any church can do to get going in this so that, Mm -hmm. that a family doesn't fear rejection. Right. So I, I want to also make this clear and I got in trouble uh, repeatedly with my editor who called me up and said, will you please stop saying that you're not an expert on this? Because apparently I wrote that many, many times and she made me take it out Uh, (laughs) because she said, you, you actually have become an expert in church and special needs and trauma. I said, okay, I'll take that. But the reason why I wrote the book was that I wanted to encourage leaders who don't have a background in special education, who don't, uh, you know, they, they don't have a PhD because you don't need to have those things to be able to welcome a child. And you know, I, I have coached other leaders who say, oh, well, you know, there's no way that my church leadership will allow me to have a special needs ministry. You don't need to have one. You can start very small. In, in my experience, I started with one child. It was one little guy who came in and had, he had autism and ADHD. And I will tell you, he took my perfectly crafted Sunday morning experience and turned it on upside down. Uh, but it also started the conversation of, okay, what's, what is this child going to need to be able to stay in our ministry? So what can a church do? I think the first thing is to cultivate awareness because when you start talking to your volunteer teams about, Hey, if one in six children in America have a special need and one in 44 kids has autism, if our ministry has 50 children, chances are we have a couple of those kids. Yes. So making them aware of what are some of the invisible um, challenges that kids have, because when a child comes in and they have anxiety or ADHD or autism, we don't see that right away. It often comes out in their behavior. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes comes from Dr. Karen Purvis, where she says, uh, behavior is the language of a child who has lost their voice. That's so good. So, you know, training up our volunteer team to be able to look at our kids and say, okay, some of these kids may fall into these categories and now what by having a plan in place of what do you do when you experience that child for the first time so and and also you know when i say um every church can do something but they don't you know they don't have to do everything the 
as we moved into the special needs world more and more, a lot of uh, different people would come to us and say, well, do you want to host a night to shine? Well, no, because God has called us to Sunday morning and making that a welcoming place for children. We did offer a Saturday respite program, but even from that, many people in the church said, well, are we ready to launch into adult special needs? And we would pray about it and say, you know what? That's not really where God has us right now. There are multiple churches who are doing that really well, but we were focused on children and students being able to be a part of the church. And, and having that focus is, is vital because if you try to do too much, that can backfire. Um, and that was one of the things that's been really impressed upon me by several people is, is you, you know, you want to serve them well and you want to do for a few, what you wish you could do for many. And, and, uh, and I think that's, that's important for us to think through, but, but doing something is better than doing nothing. And, and I mean, I look back in horror at the first couple of kids that that I literally was like, I know we're not prepared or set up. And these kids had some fairly severe issues um, that uh, needs, not issues. That was terrible. Um, see, I'm still kind of like, ah, that was, I was so bad. I mean, I'm just going to admit flat out, it was bad. Um, I, I felt sick after, because I had literally had to tell families, you know what? I know this church down the road has a ministry and they are equipped. They have trained. I'm going to suggest you go there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I said, now, listen, trust me, I'm working on this because Mm -hmm. I knew from the moment that I I felt all this and I blew it the first time, the second time a new family came in, I was not going to make that same mistake. So this time I referred them to this other church lovingly and said, but Mm -hmm. give me six months and I'll be ready. Come back. Um, don't stay there. I want you back. I want a second chance to minister yeah. to your child. And we yeah. started getting set up and we started having special boxes in every, every one of our small class groups rooms with different mm-hmm. tools that, that leaders yes. could use and, and things that children could use to, to, uh, you know, whether it be the fidget spinners and, and mm-hmm. all those kind of things, but, but also giving them, you know, noise canceling headphones. And we had, we yeah. had gear, just simple things so that we could at least help some children um, as they came. So I think, I think that's the important thing that we've got to do. We've got to start thinking through as churches because we can't keep messing up like mm-hmm. I did. Please don't do that. And if you have repent, re- get the book and put some stuff into practice, please. Um, because these kids need us and we need to minister to all of God's kids um, mm-hmm. and not just the so-called typical ones. Um, mm-hmm. And because uh, we all have needs and, and, uh, and that that's uh, like, well, we'll talk about that. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. So I know some people start wondering, well, do I need to include separate spaces though, or should I make it more accessible and inclusive? Um, how do you help people clarify that? Because that, that can be a little bit of a mountain for some mm-hmm. mentally to, to think about, because again, that's where some people go, well, if I can't do it ever, you know, hundred percent, 10%, I'm not even doing right. anything. So right. how, how do you help people that are th- struggling with, do I create space or do I just make it inclusive and bring them all in mm-hmm. the room? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, this is not going to sound like the easier way to get started but it honestly is. 
is to start out with a buddy type program where it is inclusive. You know, and my, my church was very small when we started building wise and there was no way we were going to have a separate space, but we already had the children who needed additional assistance. So we started what we called a sidekick program. And if you ever see the cover of the book, you will understand why we called them sidekicks uh, because the kids were our superheroes Yes, and uh, pairing them up with a uh, a sidekick, which was their buddy, allowed them to be included in the ministry. However, as the ministry began to grow, and by ministry, I mean the children's ministry grew by leaps and bounds as families started hearing that we were welcoming children with with challenging needs. Uh, We did have some kids who came in who we had to say to them, not no, but not now for their own safety, we were not going to be able to bring them in, but we knew someday if we had a separate room, this child would be able to be welcome there. So my answer to that question is yes, both. And (laughs) that's good, but I would, but I would always start with the buddy and including them in the typical environments and then move to, if you have the blessing of a separate room to have that also. And I'll tell you, I'm, I'm coaching a leader from a larger church who actually started the opposite. So they started with this separate space Mm -hmm. and now they're kind of busting at the seams and they want to launch into the buddy program. And they're having a really hard time making the move in that direction. Okay. And they actually told me they wish (laughs) that they had started with buddies and then added on that room. You know, and I can tell you that works because we got that Um, advice and, and, and what was really cool is now I know there are some students that are in college right now studying, Mm -hmm. um, to go into special education, um, Mm -hmm. because of their experiences being buddies. Um, and that was really powerful for them. And I think that's pretty cool because some of them are doing it so they can go into a church ministry and lead those kind of things. That's their right. focus. And, mm-hmm. and I love that. I think that's, that's fantastic. And you're right. Um, we, we learned a lesson too, about even having the right kind of space, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, doing that the right way and the wrong way can be really bad. Yes. Um, we learned the hard way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, well, that'd be another podcast, I guess. Um, all of Tom's screw ups, um, when it comes to this stuff, uh, we all have them, but we learn, we learn yes, from them. Yes, yes. Yes. And I like how you said that not no, but just not now. And that would have been, I mean, I tried to say it that way, but just like, yeah, some days the filter doesn't quite work that way. And, uh, <laughs> but I learned and I never said it again that way. That's for sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I think one of the things that I do think is critical um, and again, this is, this, this comes from Tom's list of don't do's, um, mm-hmm. is that when families first arrive, um, mm-hmm. and they first come in, um, there are, there are families that come in and that child first enters the building. Um, you encourage families and leaders, especially to start building those bridges with those kids mm-hmm. and those, those parents immediately. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? How do we, make them feel welcome from the moment they walk through the door, because 
everybody knows you got five minutes for a first impression, um, mm-hmm. regardless of who it is. Um, and if they don't, if they're not feeling welcomed and, and mm-hmm. included, they're probably mm-hmm. not going to come back to your church period. And you can say, mm-hmm. I have the world's friendliest church and where God's mm-hmm. love just oozes out of everybody. And people can walk in and go, I felt invisible. How mm-hmm. do we help families not feel that way? And how do we help them? Because we know, I think we really do know that they're coming in fearful. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of them have faced rejection and discouragement mm-hmm. um, because they've had people like Tom saying, hey, we're, we can't handle your kid right now. We're not sure. We're not equipped to do this yet. Mm-hmm. So how do we help them? How do we start bridging that gap um, to make mm-hmm. them feel known and loved and cared for and that their child will be safe um, and, right. and cared right. for and welcomed? Right. That's a good question. So you know, I talked a little bit earlier about your website. And if you are working towards welcoming all of these children, having something on your website that speaks to that. So we all know that the website seems to be the front door of our church right now. It really is. Yep. So they want to go and see, are you open to having my child? If you have even a simple intake form available on there that a parent can tell you about their child, what their child is going to need to be successful, what their child might struggle with, that's the first point of contact that you can have with a parent. Now they show up on a Sunday morning and for us, what we would do is give them a tour. Even mm. in the busyness of a Sunday morning, yeah. I would have some extra people in our check-in area who that was, that was their job was That's to, big. to be a tour guide for the parent and the child. And the interesting thing is in children's ministry, student ministry, we all say the same thing. We want to partner with parents, but it seems to be an elusive goal, right? <laughs> yes. The the interesting thing is when parents are coming in and they have a child with special needs or a traumatic background, you need each other. It's, I have found the easiest partnership because parents are the experts. Parents are the ones who can tell you all of the information of what is going to work for their child. The flip side of that is what you just said. When parents have experienced rejection, they might not disclose what's going on with their child and, you know, and are trying to kind of just get them into the ministry and praying that it's going to work this time. And then when we experience those behaviors in the ministry, being able to go back to a parent and having a formulated question, you know, mine has always been, how can we help your child be more successful? Mm. That's not saying your child had a hard day today, but it's, Hey, how can we help Susie be more successful yeah. in the ministry in the future? And that usually sparks a conversation, but yes. what are we doing again? We're partnering with the parents. Yeah. We started a dialogue, but parents are also hearing I'm not being rejected. Somebody is interested in my child and yes. in my family, and they want them to be successful, which is what every parent wants to. Oh, that is for sure. That is for sure. Well, you you blew me away with another statement. Um, I, I I think I literally went, wow, 
when when you talked about this in in one of the chapters these interviews sometimes i'm tricky with because i'm like i don't want to give too much away of the book but i also want to because because i really do want people to go get this i this is a this is a resource i wished i'd had years ago mm-hmm. um but i love how you said your job is to be an empathetic investigator before you're a disciplinarian um mm-hmm. that that hit me because i know when I was in, when doing large group and I had, I had a new child come into the room and like you had (laughs) turned your program. I mean, Mm -hmm. what went from everybody sitting focused, listening to on stage became everybody looking around the room, trying to see what was going on back there. Um, as, as this one boy who needed to get up and move, which I learned later on, um, (laughs) Yeah. Again, add that one to the list. Um, mm. cause I had, I had leaders going over trying to force him to sit down. Uh-huh. Um, literally one kind of put his hands on him and on his shoulders mm-hmm. and was trying to hold him down, which that really set him off even more. Um, so I get this side, you know, again, this is where I wish we had had that statement. And I think that's why it hit me to be an empathetic investigator mm-hmm. before you're a disciplinarian. So what does that mean to you and why did you write it like that? Cause that was, that was really powerful. Yeah. So, you know, I think that as adult leaders in the church, we have certain expectations and you have put all this work into your Sunday morning and you don't want it to be derailed. And yes, scripture does say that folly is bound in the hearts of our children. <laughs> we do live in a fallen world, but yeah all behavior that we're experiencing is not coming from that, Yes. which means as leaders, we might have to take a beat, take a breath and ask some questions and find out what is going on in the heart of this child or the life of this child. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a lot about special needs, but the uh, traumatic background side for our church was a large population of children coming from foster care, adoption, We think that children are resilient. They can be with our help, but they're not naturally resilient. Trauma affects the behaviors of our kids. So I have learned that by asking kids some questions, like I I share a story about a little boy who was really had gone off the rails in the back of a classroom. And I will say this was a Holy spirit moment because I, like I said, I'm a mom of three and naturally I wanted to take him by the hand and walk him out. But instead I asked him, what are you feeling right now? And he said, he, he told me what he was feeling. This room is, there's too many people. It's too loud. And I don't like the lights. Okay. Well, how about if I take you out of the room during our large group programming? And why don't we find a quiet place for you and I to talk? And as he and I were, were, you know, he's telling me his life story by the time we were done, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's not been in a church before. He doesn't know what we're doing here. And he was also dealing with some sensory processing Mm -hmm. uh, challenges. So it's in asking the questions. This wasn't a disobedient, disrespectful child. He was reacting to the environment he was in. I'm glad you said that because, and and I do want to, I guess I would do want to go off script just for a minute or two and talk about that idea of trauma stuff, because I think, I mean, especially now with we're living mm-hmm. in a post-COVID or almost post-COVID world. Yes. And 
there are a lot of kids dealing with anxieties. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a lot of kids struggling with um, having a loved one that's passed away. And so they've dealt with Mm -hmm. a a traumatic death in the family. Um, There've been divorces happening. I mean, there's also, you know, so kids are struggling with separation anxiety and abandonment and, you know, Mm -hmm. there's just so much that, that can drive them and drive behavior. And, Mm -hmm. and so as leaders, what are some ways that we can kind of tune into some of this and what are some ways that we can help them? Um, Okay. Yeah. I, I really, you know, I love that you said that because I, I have heard from people, well, we don't have trauma in our church. And I'm thinking if you had if you have any kids who came through 2020, 2021, yes, you do. Yes, we you do. all experienced trauma through that. So what do, what do they need? And they also missed out on a year of emotional relational development, yes. right? Because yes. they yes. did couldn't be around their friends and they couldn't be in a classroom. And the church has a unique opportunity to help build some of that back in. So I'll tell you... <laughs> My background is Disney and hospitality management. So that kind of has rolled right into children's ministry for me. I love a fun and active environment, but I have found post COVID that that's not always what my kids need right now. Really what they need is stability. So we've built that into our schedule of a Sunday morning so that the kids can expect what's going to happen next. So a little bit of the surprise and delight has been removed, but just for now, because they, they need a little bit of the stability. We've also built in some relationship building activities, small group time. Our church is a large group, small group model. Our small group time can start with finding out how the kids are, but how they really are. And we'll use things like an emoticon chart that the kids can point. Here's how I'm feeling today, angry, scared, hungry, whatever it is. Um, and then building in some things into their activities that are more connected. I, I think we can be so focused sometimes on the curriculum and what we need to get done that we miss out on. Do the kids in your small group know you by name? Mm. Do they, do they know the small group leader by name and small group leader? Do you know the kids by name? And what else do you know about that child? So I really think it's just for right now, stopping and slowing down and focusing more on that connection with the kids. Wow. Well, I'm glad I asked that (laughs) because I have a feeling, I mean, there's, there's a lot of leaders out there. I mean, and I'm seeing it in the church that I serve in. Um, Mm. And, and so I'm glad I asked that because it's, it's given me some food for thought to consider even Mm -hmm. more. Um, moving forward as I can help serve in our, in our church. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot more questions I want to ask, but we're going to run out of time. (laughs) Um, And, and I honestly, I, I'm, I'm going to say it again, people go buy the book. Um, uh, This is one of those you, you need to have uh, on your shelf. Uh, You need to talk it through with your teams and, uh, but you, you kind of, before you dive into this whole section, one of the most, pra- I mean, th- this book has got tons of practicality to it because you literally walk through different diagnosis and, mm-hmm. and give suggestions of here's ways you can serve these children. 
Here's ways to make it more welcoming and connecting. And these are doable things, guys. This again, you don't have to have a degree to do what what Carrie-Anne's suggesting here. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the strategies that I, I picked up on is this whole idea, uh, really not strategy, that's not even the good word, a, a mindset is to mm -hmm. have this build for you. Um, mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, again, it goes back, I guess it really does go back to that saying of do for a few what you wish you could do mm -hmm. for many or do mm -hmm. for one what you wish you could do for many. And I think yeah. that's pretty powerful. And so what does that build for you mean to you and and explain it um, without giving too much. Again, I almost didn't ask this question because I was like, people need to just read it. But go ahead and give a give us a little teaser for it anyway. Okay. Well, I mean, like I shared, I live in Florida, not far from Disney, so it's a booming area. And in my neighborhood, there was a house that was under construction, and there was a sign out front that said "Built for the." and it had the name of a family. And I walked away thinking, huh, I don't know. Do the workers there think differently? Because it's, it's not a house, it's, it's a home. Yes. And somebody in particular is in mind for this home. And that made me start thinking about ministry and what would happen if I made some decisions in the ministry with one child in mind. Now, I know we have lots of children to consider, but when I focus on the one, will I make it better for everyone? If I focus on the, the child with special needs who is an elopement or runaway risk, and I try to create the safest environment with her, that child in mind, how, how many doors are between the room that she's in and the front door of the building? Yeah. If I am thinking about those things, did I just make the ministry safer for everyone? Or if I think about my large group programming and I think about the little boy who has ADHD and he can't sit still, but I craft that, that message time with him in mind, did I just capture everybody in the room? So that's what that means is building some things into ministry that have one child in mind, but really it ends up benefiting everyone. That's pure gold right there. <laughs> it really is. I mean, if younger leaders, if you're a young, newer ministry person, take that and run with that. Mm. Um, start thinking about your service, picking one child in mind mm. and craft it um, like that and watch what happens. Watch the difference. I dare you. I double dog dare you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> To, to just try that because I think that is, that is so, so true. Mm -hmm. So like, like I say, guys, this book has a ton of practicality to it. It's real life stories. It's, it's, you're, you're going to see kids in your own ministry in your mind as you're reading it. Um, it's, it, it's powerful. So uh, I'm glad you wrote this book. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, I'm glad you encouraged me to write it. Um. <laughs> Even if I didn't do it the best loving kind way. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad the Holy Spirit kicked that out of my mouth. Um, and I'm glad you took it the right way too. So thank you for having that kind of heart. Um, well, Carrie, Ann, tell us, tell if people want to know more, cause I'm sure they're going to want to know more. I'm sure they're going to want to go get the book. How do they connect with you and what are some ways uh, I know it's on Amazon, but if there's other ways, feel free to mention those as well. Yes. So 
you can always email me, which is uh, carrieann.hayes at ministryarchitects.com, which is really, really long. I understand that, <laughs> um, but hopefully that can be in notes somewhere. Yep. Uh, yes. So the book is on Amazon. I also have a book landing page. And on that page, I include some of the resources that I just mentioned, like the intake form or the emoticon chart that I use. And yeah, so there are some tools right there. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll make sure we get the link to that and put that in the show notes Mm -hmm. as well. So people can just click on that and jump to it. Um, And that way people can can find your resources because they need to they need to do that. So, um, and we'll have to get you back on, um, again, cause this was fun. I'm, I'm glad we had this conversation. So, um, Thank it's, you. it's very, very helpful. So, and you can always post questions in the KMC, uh, Facebook group and ask there and, uh, you know, let's connect and let's, let's get connected. If you're, if you're struggling, if you need help and encouragement, reach out. Um, we've got resources and people that want to connect and help with each other because it's all about building the kingdom, right? Yeah, That's what it's for. So, so, all right. Well, thanks for joining me. Um, and uh, listen, my friends, thanks for listening to this episode. I know this had to be a blessing. So I hope you'll go out and go grab the book, read it, read it with your teams, um, share it with people, um, and just consider what you can do to build a ministry for children of all ages and all people because all are valuable in your community and all of them need to hear about Jesus and know that he loves them. So again, thanks to the sundayschool.store for their support. Thanks for listening. If there's anything I can do for y'all, if I can serve you in any way, please reach out uh, and join me for another episode of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.